This one's for all our yoga instructors out there, especially after you've taken your first yoga teacher training and you're trying to bring yoga to everyone you know. But not everyone you know can participate in an aggressive advanced vinyasa class. <laughs> we all know that feeling. So what is adaptive yoga? Why is it so important to be able to bring these tools and healing modalities to a wider demographic? Welcome to the Crystal Zen Podcast. I believe our bodies are a living map of the entire universe. All the answers reside within. Remember, you are sovereign, whole, and infinitely valuable. And the best gift we can give to the world is our own healing. Join me as we explore holistic tools, spiritual practices, and paradigms that are shifting the way people experience life, business, and relationships. I love to share education on the most recent medical research and cutting-edge technology on anatomy, neurology, trauma, development, and more to give us a foundation in understanding how to align, utilize, and upregulate our physical systems. Ultimately, this podcast is a witness and support to people on their journey of remembering, an inspiration for all of us to keep going, and a reminder that we are not alone. So welcome to the Crystals in Podcast. We have a treat today because Abigail is back. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. So good to be back. Such an honor. I always love sitting down and having these conversations with you. Thank you. I am so excited because me and Abigail collaborate on uh, a couple things together right now. One of the things we're going to tell you about today. So it's just going to be really fun and beautiful. So join us for a quick tune in. Clear your mind. Feel better today. And then join us as we deep dive into our discussion about accessibility. Close your eyes. <sighs> Exhale through your mouth. <sighs> Feel not only the energetic but physical release in your shoulders as you drop things away that you don't need to hold right now. We'll take two more breaths like that. Inhale through your nose. Exhale through your mouth. Feeling your forehead, ears, jaw, shoulders drop. And a final one. Find the bottoms of your feet where your body's pressing into the surface beneath you. And then come back. Blink your eyes open. Hey, clear mind. Um, presence is a gift of healing, right? Miracles and healing can happen in a moment of presence. And that's really all we're teaching in the yoga practice, in the physical limb, right? Of like Ashtanga and things. But like I mentioned in the intro, how many times do we have these beautiful experiences or learnings or reach some sort of posture where we did learn some deeper messages, enlightenment, things that actually pertain on and off the map. And that's usually the point where we like to proliferate and share these learnings, right? Yeah. I know for me, my story is whenever I have an aha moment, I just want to tell everybody, this is how I got there. And it's not everybody's journey, but you feel that excitement. And what do you do and how do you do that when the people you're trying to share it with don't have the same body as you or accessibility, right? Availability, movement, all the things. I know as a young yoga teacher, I definitely was stumped and would tend to not share 
or not know what to do or not know how to access. Um, so there's a couple important things I think that we can learn from Abigail. She runs an adaptive yoga training, which is why first I want to ask, how did you get into adaptive yoga and what was the drive there? Well, I am a stroke survivor. That was the quintessential moment in my life when my yoga practice had to change. And, you know, I relate to your story so much because when you experience something in your practice, you do, you want to share it with others naturally. And that same thing happened with me after I had the stroke and yoga was a very useful tool, a very helpful part of my recovery. I, you know, I had just barely started teaching yoga at the time I had the stroke. It wasn't until yoga helped me recover that I knew I had to become a yoga teacher. Like, I'm like, I have to get out there. I have to share this. Yoga is literally for everybody. And for me, you know, I was already practicing yoga and I had just started teaching. So I really wanted to get back to my yoga practice there at the time, which was 2012. There were no places that I was aware of that had space for me that had an adaptive yoga class that I could go to. And I really, really miss that yoga community. So I feel right now uh, it's growing more and more important for inclusive spaces physically and socially and culturally, like just making room for everybody at the yoga table. Yeah, I love that. And I'm curious. So could you give us some specific examples of people who are in that population or demographic that benefit more from an adaptive yoga approach? Sure. Well, I'll start with, with myself for sure. I had a stroke that took my ability to walk. I was in the hospital for a month and I was sent home with a walker, which I used for several months. It was about a year before I could drive again. And so for me, where I had the stroke, I had a lot of balance, coordination issues, visual issues. I couldn't do a warrior two or even a down dog. I needed to use furniture, chairs, the floor a lot more. And I had to just kind of figure out that stuff on my own. Later on, I did go and study with Matthew Sanford. He's a paraplegic and yoga. He didn't find yoga till after, like he was, he was in a car accident at age 13. And that's when he got the spinal cord injury, but it wasn't until he was 25 that he found yoga. And so many people told him that just use your upper body. You've got your upper body, move through life with your upper body. Your legs are just in this chair. That's just how it's going to be. And when he started practicing yoga, he tells the story of how he gets into Ubavishta Kanasana, a wide leg forward fold. And he felt better. He's like, just because I don't have muscular action with my legs, just because they don't work in the same way everybody else's does, doesn't mean this yoga isn't valuable for me. And I'm really grateful for him and the work that he spread. Um, he really inspired me to share adaptive yoga more and more as well. So people who live in wheelchairs, that's who adapt adaptive yoga is for. Anybody who has walking instability. So this could be from a TBI or traumatic brain injury. It could be from MS or Parkinson's strokes. I also get a lot of my clients have been injured in some way. I had a client who 
um, was thrown from a horse and her pelvis was crushed by a horse. I've had somebody with a foot injury and you just like never know what challenge or obstacle is going to come your way physically. And that's who adaptive yoga is for. I also have a lot of just like older adults, like in their seventies and eighties, maybe they don't have the strength to get up and down off the floor anymore. Maybe they have knee issues. Maybe they just don't want to get up and down off the floor anymore. And so chairs can be useful, a useful tool to bring the floor up to them because yoga has universal principles that apply across the board, whether or not you can put your leg in Uvavishta Kanasana, whether or not you can do an inversion, the principles still apply. And it's really, really fun to explore it with adaptive students. Wow. I love that. I also want to mention that in honor of especially a, a specific modality like that, that has so much capacity for um, like, there's just so many layers there to learn about with the body and the movement and the mind in an adaptive sense um, that it deserves its own study, right? Like its own training. Like it's very difficult. I mean, to go in, which is how I'd approached it before. And like, I have this one client who needs this one thing and I'd learn a piece of that, mm -hmm. you know, a little piece, a little window into adaptive, but then it didn't translate through every person. Like you're saying, everybody's thing, even if they need adaptive yoga is actually a little nuanced and different. Yep. And so that's why I think the full training gives you kind of a bigger perspective and picture and a lot more tools is what I've been piecing together for the last 20 years is like, what well, had that one client with that one nuance. So now I can adapt that. Mm -hmm but didn't understand the full principle until um, I had taken a mini adaptive training from you. And I think it was just a couple hours. And one thing I wanted the listeners to hear that you had demonstrated was the mind body connection, regardless of neurological awakening, right? Or atrophy, or like you said, muscle action, whatever is going on. When you demonstrated how you can provide the support and the stability and the hug that maybe that limb or that body part cannot do, you can just give a couple of cues for internal proprioception or moving in a direction. And it actually does for the brain feels like, a, like an inhabitation of your actual body, which is what a lot of these people don't have. And it's beautiful because I was on a horse ride up in Park City last week and I was talking about my experiences with horse and therapy and what my guides had been. And she works with a lot of paraplegic children. Mm -hmm. And she said the way a horse moves actually mimics rhythm wise and the movement of your pelvis like a person walking. So when you think like you're that teacher you studied with, oh, they can't do this. There's something to be said for actually putting that child on a horse letting them feel that movement. What is going on in your brain is that you do have a body mapped out in parts of your brain. What's meant for the legs, the fingers, the, you know, whatever it is, the jaw. It's called the homunculus. It's oh. the funniest name, but yes. yes. <laughs> and my favorite book on that is David Eagleman's live wired okay. where he shows you exactly where the, it's mapped out. And the point is it can be, the input can be taken from other areas. So like if it's not from your legs, if you're using an adaptive yoga sort of bypass or tool and you give that proprioception feeling, it will stimulate that part of the brain. Isn't that cool? Yes. 
so important. Yes. There's so much that you said there. Where do I even begin? First, the mind-body connection is important regardless of how your body functions and what ability you have. And many people who are living in a body that doesn't work how the traditional persons does, um, most of the, a lot of those people, some people have been born that way, definitely, but a lot of them have been through a trauma, a very severe physical trauma. And of course that mixes into emotional trauma as well. So there's this aspect of, for me, I definitely felt this way where I felt betrayed by my body. One moment I'm walking, literally an hour later, my limb won't move. It's not happening. It's very surreal and frightening and feels like a betrayal. So there's this rift in the relationship that you have with your body, which is one of the most important relationships of this human experience, this one with this physical container. And yoga is really beautiful at helping heal that relationship, regardless if you have a full recovery like I did, right? Because not everybody's going to regain the ability to walk you can still heal that relationship with your body. So there's that aspect of it that I just want to point out. And regardless of the body you have, those universal principles still apply. So you mentioned a couple things. One, you mentioned rhythm. Rhythm is so important for the nervous system and is used as a therapy, not just in adaptive yoga, but for like um, kids with autism. It's very soothing to find rhythm. And think about it. Walking is rhythm. You're, it's a cadence. And you can give the body that same feeling of rhythm and cadence in a, with a horse ride, right? Mm -hmm. Or certain things that we do in adaptive yoga that you learn in my course that helps people get that same rhythmic feeling of walking in their hips. Um, and it's very powerful. I remember working with a quadriplegic, um, when I was in Minneapolis with Matthew Sanford and her name, Sammy, she, we were doing a little rhythm with her where, um, we were standing behind her and kind of holding and she, and so we got her arms, right? Her arms don't work. And just this little sway side to side. Mm. So that little rhythm. And she said it reminded her of swinging as a child. Mm. And it was just so nourishing I mean, that alone is worth it. So learning some techniques for creating the sensation of rhythm, because we create rhythm. That's a universal principle of yoga, rhythm. Yes. When you create that, whether the person can do it on their own or not, there's benefit. Grounding is another one, right? We can, we can provide a sense of grounding for our students, even if they can't feel it. Not only are, are they literally being more grounded to the earth, but their tissues are still responding to that load, you know, that we're putting on the body, whether it's using a sandbag or a block or a strap. And especially um, for people who don't have physical sensation or do I have diminished sensation on my left side, mm -hmm. you kind of feel a lot of static um, and it kind of feels like you're out in space. Untethered is the word that I would use. When you use the yoga practice to create a sense of container around the body, it's like the nervous system immediately relaxes and they get a sense of what it like it feels like to be grounded in their body. 
So that's an important point because I think we forget that. And if you've not had an injury like that, um, would it be more like, you know, like when you go to the dentist and your face is so numb and you just feel like you're waiting for that to come back for you to move on with your life. Like I've noticed that it's like, all right, but it'll, but it'll go away soon because you feel like there's something, there's some part of you that's not contained or not right. And so how do you perpetually live in that? And what a beautiful relief and gift to have some techniques that bring that back in. I think the, I wanted to double click on the elderly population as Mm -hmm. well, because I have never met one new yoga teacher that doesn't want to share the yoga with someone in their life and just that factor of age and less flexibility and just less, what's the word, viability or um, what did my dad call it? He called it something funny. <laughs> he was like, I just less, not mobile, but it was something about like your ability to change positions quickly. And that too, in and of itself, feeling like, you can get a rhythm and you can get some sort of substantial connection with your body is a huge population that we can benefit. And on that note, there was one thing I wonder if you would speak on, which is that deep nuanced, like when you had showed us some moves a couple years ago in a training where I almost feel like that is even the most important thing in a vinyasa or hot yoga class anyways, which was the deep inert, like subtle energy and connection within the body where now, because you can't achieve the big fast movements, you had showed us something where I felt the extension from like my pubic bone all the way up through my cervical spine. So I guess my question is, what are your thoughts on that subtler, slow movement and extension and power there? Well, subtle sensations are just as vital and important as more overt sensations. They're a valid part of your experience. My teacher, Matthew Sanford, tells the story of when he was in the hospital and he had this experience of he thought he could feel his toes and he was like having a whole experience and feeling into his body and what it was like to feel his toes. And the physical therapist came and said, he, uh, he related this to the physical therapist. The physical therapist said, those are phantom sensations. Those are phantom feelings. Just ignore that. And he really brushed it off. And that was really demoralizing um, part of, his yoga practice was realizing that all of those sensations, even if they're so subtle that somebody else would call them a phantom, that still gave him a really important healing experience for him and his body. And those are the kind of things that we can help provide to our students as well. So subtle sensation is just as important. And I'm trying to think of what the move is that we did. Was it hip pinning? Yes, it was hip pinning. (laughs) It was so incredible. I was like, actually, everyone needs to know about this Mm -hmm. because sometimes you can make the overt movements. Then it causes you not to not have a reason to connect subtly like that. And even if you have a quote unquote normal um, ability body, some of those references can be a huge source of feedback and information for you. What does it really feel like to feel that extension more subtly coming from the hips and up? 
Um, sometimes it can help you with your regular yoga practice because you get a different piece of information. You're receiving feedback in your body in a different way when you're using a chair or a wall. I mean, I have had, I had one client who would come to my, she came for years actually to my adaptive chair yoga class and we used chairs every time. And she was older, but she did not need, like she didn't need the chair from a physical ability wise, but she loved the class. She loved the stability that it gave her and she loved learning about her practice, about herself, about her body with this new piece of information. So it can be really profound for anybody. I love that. What are the biggest, like kind of really zoomed out overviews of an adaptive yoga training? Like, is it a, a shorter training? Like, do you go through physical, you know, emotional, like what is that kind of? I definitely tend to focus on physical Although we certainly talk about the emotional aspects as well, because there's some overlap. But for me, my recovery was very focused on, I need to be able to walk again. I need to be able to practice yoga again. And I was very determined. So I did physical therapy, occupational therapy. I've done balance therapy, neurovision therapy. I've done so many therapies. And yoga was a type of therapy for me as well. So I do like to focus on the physical aspect for that reason. Part of my journey was relearning how to walk again. And even after I wasn't using the walker, I still had a very ataxic gait. It was very uncoordinated. My proprioception was all off. Uh, so I did a year-long biomechanics course that absolutely transformed my walk. Like, I feel like I walk better now than before I had the stroke. Thanks to this training with Katie Bowman, just phenomenal. So I actually include a whole section on walking stability because... A lot of people, if you're ambulatory at all, a lot of people still have issues with stability or fears around falling and if they can get back up again and just being stable with their walk in general. And so I include a lot of those biomechanical things that I learned that were so helpful for me. So I have a section on walking stability. We definitely talk about the universal principles of adaptive yoga because really I want you to like think about what sensation are you trying to create in um partnership with your student what what's the purpose of being in this posture and how can you help create the environment for that to come up for them so we talk about universal principles i have a huge section on i call reference and this includes using props it includes using assists it includes using your voice as reference that is a really big part of adaptive yoga um, and people with different physical abilities are used to a lot of that working with their physical and occupational therapists. So they tend to be like a little, obviously you still obtain permission and create safety with your students, but there's usually a little bit more touch and props, chairs, blocks, straps, bolsters, blankets, walls, all the things, sandbags, sandbags that I use all the time. I use half domes um, and I use uh, massage therapy balls, yoga tune-up balls as well. I use those in all my yoga classes. I mean, it all starts to spill over, but um, we talk about how would you adapt sun salutations? What if, you know, you have somebody who can be on the floor, how would you, but they can't like do jump backs. How would you adapt a sun salutation for them? What does a sun salutation look like in a chair? There's a whole section on all the different ways you could do a specific yoga posture. Uh, including inversions, like mind blowing. Can you really do inversions when you live in a wheelchair? Yes, you can still 
create the sensation of an inversion for your students. Cool. Restorative yoga. I mean, and ultimately I will say this, even though, you know, I have a very specific structure and things that I want to cover. The most important thing to me is that any, anyone, whether they're a teacher or not, that comes through my adaptive yoga training, they walk away feeling confident that no matter what student shows up to their class, they know they have the capacity to figure it out together. Something clicks when you see all these ideas, like you were saying, yeah, this one thing works for this one stroke issue. No, you start seeing things differently. You're like, how can I bring the floor up to them? What is the challenge happening in this right now? And how can we figure it out? Like you learn literally how to investigate with your student, the experience of being in a posture. And that means you never need to, no, I'm just kidding. You never need another training again. No, but really, <laughs> I can't teach you everything right. about every condition and everything you're going to come across. Um, but I can show you how to approach it so that you're able to figure it out yourself, no matter what student shows up. And that's, that's really important to me. That's so beautiful. And that's the skill, right? That's the important skill. That's where the confidence is built and also the co-creation, right? And I think that's what sets us in just a really beautiful realization of the relationship we're in when we're supporting others. We're not doing anything for them. Even in adaptive yoga, you can't do anything for somebody else, but you can guide them and you can support them and you can point them in a direction where they can do these things for themselves. And especially in an adaptive population or demographic, that is so empowering. Like, so I just, I love that. I think it's beautiful. I think it's a really, really, really important training for anyone who's actually teaching the public, right? To mm -hmm. have in their tool belt, um, cause they'll feel better, but it's also very valuable, um, to have as like a skill if you're trying to be hired by people to do these things. Yeah. Um, and it's also just for the listeners who aren't yoga teachers, it's actually, this is why I've taken every training I've ever taken in the last 20 years was because I wanted it for myself. I wanted to explore something and know something more deeply for myself first. Mm -hmm. And so if you're in that population, could they take your training as well? Would yes. that be beneficial? You do not have to be a yoga teacher. I'll get caretakers. I'll get physical therapists in these trainings. And I have a couple different versions so that it works for everybody. In October, I have an eight hour version coming up. It's condensed but still complete and then i have a 20 hour in january coming up as well that'll be my signature full training where you get to work with adaptive students uh, that's a 20 hour that will be at pc yoga collective in january we haven't announced dates yet but eight hours some people can't like do a full whole entire intense weekend so eight hours can be a really um, bite-sized way to take it in and you walk away with like so many ideas and i will tell you this there are so many adaptive classes, accessible classes, inclusive classes, chair classes, whatever you want to call them. They are like growing exponentially. I'm teaching eight adaptive yoga classes a week right now. <laughs> wow. It is truly like people are seeing a need for it and people really want to be able to practice yoga and get those additional benefits that are different than, you know, what you get in physical therapy, which is all very physical focused. So there's a lot of opportunity out there for those who are teachers. It's great for people to, and you do get continuing education hours with Yoga Alliance. If you're not a teacher and you just want to learn for your family, for yourself, 
come and learn. You'll get lots and lots of ideas. Um, and you just never know when you're going to need it. Right. And yeah. 200 and 300 hour trainings, they just, they have so much to teach. Yeah. It's really not possible for them to teach you all these things. Maybe right. you'll get a short workshop, yeah. which is a great start, but you really need to continue this education because it is so important in human beings. We just have such vast experiences and differences. Traumas come, our physical abilities change. I mean, eventually all of it leaves, right? So <laughs> it's eventually good. we will all be in this demographic. So why, exactly. wait? why wait to know what to do when you're there? And it also, I think, especially for newer teachers, it is a confidence builder because it can be scary to step in front of those classes. You're already like, are they going to like me? Am I going to mess something up? But you're also probably have this fear or worry like, well, what if somebody comes who's pregnant? What if somebody has yeah. an injury? I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And so you walk away, even if you don't plan to teach in the adaptive community, you walk away feeling confident that you have something to work with when you get those types of students show up at your classes. Beautiful. Thank you for that. I do have to say those are the most text emails questions I get after any training or if I participate in any way in one of my offerings or somebody else's. The instructor is asking me, well, my mom has a broken wrist. What do I do? This pregnant lady is in my class. What like those are like the biggest questions, probably the most quantifiable questions I get about that after the initial entry into yoga as a student or a teacher. And so I actually feel really grateful that Abigail gave me a code crystal 20 and you can go on her website wellwithabigail.com and I will link all of that so that now um, I don't have to be bogged down <laughs> trying to help all of that. I just have a beautiful <laughs> place to point Send them. <laughs> yeah, that code is good for the October training. Okay. It's at Brick Canvas in Lehigh. Okay. Friday, October 21st to Saturday, uh, October 22nd, four hours each day. So if you go to wellwithabigail.com, look under yoga offerings, there's a whole page on adaptive yoga. You'll see the training there. And at checkout, just use Crystal 20. You get $20 off, cool. which is helpful. Thank you. And mm -hmm. if that's not the training that fits in your schedule right now, get on Abigail's email list, follow her on Instagram. I'll tag all the things. And then when an offering comes up that you can jump on, do it. <laughs> because it'll just be so incredible. And I appreciate your time. I appreciate having these important discussions with me, things that I've found after 20 years of teaching and participating in this world that I feel like just were never said to me at the beginning. Yeah. And I love getting it out there. I love, you know, expanding the mind and pondering <laughs> on, wow, this is for everyone and all those things. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Seriously, yeah. I love having these conversations with you that make a difference in the world, make a difference in people's lives. Yeah. Thank Satnam. you. Thank Satnam. you. Thank you for listening. Connect with me on Instagram at crystalzinyoga. Subscribe on my website at crystalzinyoga.com to receive tools and practices for your holistic journey and to be the first to know about offerings, workshops, trainings, and retreats. We live in powerful times that require courage, bravery, compassion, authenticity, community, and grounding. You're not alone. Check out my free content, classes, and meditations on YouTube under Crystal Zen Yoga, and have a beautiful day. Satnam.